Hello and a very warm welcome to Brailcast, a podcast produced by and for Brailists everywhere. Coming up... It's quite quirky being able to read a format that most people can't read and all the things you can sort of get away with and how often you see Braille that's not written correctly and how that kind of brightens your day in a way because it can be quite amusing. We speak with Megan Paul, a winner from last year's International Onkyo Braille Essay Writing Competition. But before that, let's hear from Darren Pascal with some Braille news. The world premiere of a musical entitled The Braille Legacy is being staged at the Charing Cross Theatre in London until Saturday the 24th of June. Directed by Tom Sutherland and starring West End star Jerome Praden, it depicts the life of Louis Braille. There will be two audio-described performances as part of the run, and to find out more you can follow at Braille Legacy, all one word, Braille Legacy on Twitter, or contact the theatre box office directly, and details on how to do that are available in the show notes. The RNIB in the UK and other blindness organisations around the world are accepting entries for the annual Onkyo Braille Essay Competition. This year's themes include amusing stories about Braille and the future of Braille, Cash prizes of up to $2,000 are available. Apple recently released iOS 10.3 with a number of Braille fixes, notably better focus within the mail and news apps when using Braille displays, and stability improvements for the focus models. Some iOS users are still reporting connectivity issues with certain Braille display manufacturers, specifically the Euro Braille offerings. A year after the initial release of the BrailleNote Touch, HumanWare have released Keysoft version 3.0 with better document switching, extra voices and more Braille tables. Baum Vario Ultra customers can now download a public beta of firmware version 1.4 which includes initial support for unified English Braille translation along with other bug fixes. And finally, the RNIB have moved their Wear Dots Raise Lots month from October to May. The month seeks to improve awareness of Braille whilst raising money for the RNIB. They are now sending out fundraising packs on request. It's that time of year again. Blindness organisations around the world are accepting submissions for the Onkyo International Braille Essay Writing Competition. In 2016, Megan Paul from Cheltenham won the Junior Prize with her essay entitled A Bumpy Road. I met Megan recently and, over a cup of tea, she told me why Braille is so important to her and how she came to write her winning entry. So my name's Megan Paul, I'm 24 and I'm studying for a Masters in Creative and Critical Writing. Well, thank you for speaking with Brailcast, Megan. Um, Tell us a bit about the Onkyo Braille Essay Competition. So it's something that the RNIB runs every year, and I kind of knew about it, and each year I sort of thought, oh, I could do that, and then something else has come up. But last year I decided to actually put my mind to it, and so I submitted an entry about this time last year. On my experiences of Braille, which in many ways are quite quirky. It's quite quirky being able to read a format that most people can't read and all the things you can sort of get away with and how often you see Braille that's not written correctly and how that kind of brightens your day in a way because it can be quite amusing. 
what made you think, right, this is it, I'm going to do it this year? Well, my degree is in creative writing, so any opportunity to write is always good fun. But I knew also that I had a few stories of uh, reading unusual braille, shall we say, that I thought I could contribute that might help people think and also understand how important braille is to blind people um, and how we use it so so widely, I suppose. And tell me a bit about winning and when you found out and, and how that... Because presumably you didn't expect to win. No, um, I had no idea about the contest. I knew that people from many different countries entered but I didn't know how many entrants they had and I found out in the September that I'd won which was a really nice surprise because I just started my masters so that was a really great way to start the course because for any creative writer I guess the dream is publication Um, but there was also a monetary prize a thousand dollars which is sort of the equivalent of 800 pounds so that was quite nice as well I got I think it's called the junior prize so I wasn't like the overall winner, but it's still a big prize. And I was I was really happy about that. And what did you do with the cash? Did you treat yourself? I've spent part of it. I haven't spent all of it yet. Being a student, I tend to kind of put these things in the bank and save it for when you need it. But it's the first time I'd say I've ever been paid for any of my writing that I've had published. And although it's not paying in a strict sense, it's it's quite a nice feeling. That is a big prize. Are competitions like this important, do you think? Definitely, for anyone who's competitive or who just wants to have a go, I think it's great to be able to bring people out and give them the chance to display their talents, whether that's writing in Braille or other formats. I think it does kind of strengthen the idea of a community because it's not just the VI community in this country, it's people from all around the world. And when I read through the winning entries, it was quite interesting to read the entries from different countries. Your essay is an autobiographical mm. account about your relationship with Braille mm. and um, sort of various anecdotes, really. One of which was to do with um, your family mm-hmm. loading all your volumes of Famous Five and yeah. your Perkins Braille into the family car to yeah. go on holiday. Yeah. Why do you think your family was so supportive of your your use of Braille? I have a very supportive family in general and I think I was lucky in that I was born blind and I started to learn braille when I was four. I had a very good braille teacher and I was learning braille alongside my mainstream peers learning to handwrite and to do joined up writing. And I absolutely loved reading and my parents knew that and so they just knew that there was no way we were going on holiday without me having any any kind of books at all. I mean, what I also I don't mention in the essays, we probably had a box of like cassette tapes and stuff as well because I'd have been listening to massive amounts of stuff. So why why didn't they just say just do that? Why did they commit to bring in all the braille books? Why didn't they just say, oh Megan, please just listen to the tapes? Obviously, yeah. we haven't got space for all. Um, I guess they knew because they knew how important reading and being able to read a book was to me. And that if I didn't have those books to read, I would be either pestering them to read to me or I would be extremely bored. And as a bored kid, I was a very whiny, annoying kid. So I guess in the back of their mind, there might have been things to do with, you know, my knowledge of spelling and how that would develop and vocabulary. But I guess for them, they knew that if, you know, normally children would bring books and magazines and stuff with them, then I should have my Braille too. You mentioned your Braille teacher and you you said how effective that was why why do you think your braille teacher was particularly 
effective with you? I think she was effective because she had experience of blind people and she didn't let me get away with anything. And she was actually quite a strict teacher. And when I was a four-year-old, I was absolutely terrified of her and became less so as I grew older. And she was really rigorous in her teaching but also had really good methods to kind of teach me I never learned grade one braille I jumped straight into grade two and she taught me all the signs and she designed um, reading books so for instance I used to get the ch and st signs mixed up so dots one six ch dots three four st and so she um, designed a book about the chick in the stick and when i went to the school for the blind in worcester they did um they have to do an assessment of people's braille reading speed and they said that i was one of the fastest braille readers they'd ever seen apart from this other girl and i knew that this other girl had been taught by the same teacher Clearly your Braille teacher had high expectations of you then. Mm. Do you think that's changed over time for children who are blind? Do you think that that we have lower expectations now, perhaps? Oh, I'd like not to think so. I do feel sad when I hear about VI children who, for whatever reason, haven't had a good education. I struggled when I got to secondary school, but my primary education was absolutely idyllic. I went to a really, really small school. There were like 30 pupils, very small village school, and it was like one big family where we all supported each other. And so the Braille being part of that, it wasn't a thing. And, you know, I was treated in the same way as everyone else. I also find it kind of sad and a bit strange now that it's okay for VI children to just use a screen reader all the time. I do use, I use a laptop with JAWS, but I also really need my Braille. And that's how I work. I read fiction in Braille, non-fiction um, and the internet generally with JAWS because for me, JAWS is skim reading. But I think you need to be able to read in Braille because otherwise you just don't have that knowledge of spelling. I mean, you can spell things with a screen reader, but whether you think to do that is another question. So one of the other anecdotes you shared in your essay um was about um, a book that had been transcribed by a Braille transcription service uh, running out of a prison. Um, and you said that um, the book was perhaps a bit longer than it, than it needed to be because yeah. it contained this, this extra material where the prisoners had been uh, writing to each other. So, mm. so tell us a bit about that. And, and I mean, did anything happen about that or did you just not tell anybody? Or... Um, I told my teacher who found it very funny and the whole class sort of we shared a joke. It was when I was at secondary school and we were studying Shakespeare. Um, yeah, and, you know, we were all just, it was obviously a play. So each class took a part and we were reading through the script. And as we were reading through, I just kept coming up against these really weird lines. Things like, let's chop up Theobald the Pope. Let's kill Pope Theobald which I'm sure is some kind of weird code. But I knew it didn't have anything to do with the play. Um, and to me, I, I just found it really funny at the time. And I guess looking back, it is very strange. But I mean, sadly, a lot of places now, they, they're able to type everything out or scan things into a computer, which is fine. But then when they emboss things in Braille, because they don't have the knowledge, they're not able to read Braille, they don't know Braille. There are all sorts of mistakes with that. I, one of my friends recently received his Braille bank statement, but it turned out not to be his bank statement at all. It was someone else's. That's awful data protection. And you'd never, ever get away with things like that in the print world, if you like. And it's amazing sometimes, you know, when you go around, and you see Braille signage and it's all spelt wrong. 
And I was recently thinking about UEB, we've changed to UEB now, which I'm kind of getting my head around, but it is strange when you've known Braille for 20 years with different contractions. And I was thinking of this really cool, a, a potential sci-fi story where they decide to change print, you know, and how much confusion that would cause for, for all print readers if we change print slightly. Um, and it, it just makes you think in a different way, really, about you know when you read braille because there are so few people who do read it what the things that kind of go unnoticed or the things that people don't think about yeah i mean when you say about mistakes one of the ones that always um, amuses me in some public places in worcester they've put the number zero upside mm. down mm. which of course in print doesn't make any difference but oh, um yeah in braille in braille it really does and um of course before we had the ueb um, an upside down zero, which you often see in the lift um, for the ground floor, says uh, to people, which I thought quite amusing. Like, yeah. you know, the other the other buttons will take you to numbered floors and this one will take it's you to people. To people, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. print, I mean, print has changed, hasn't it, to be fair? Um, print has changed quite a lot. If you were to look at printed text from 100 years ago, where, you know, indented paragraphs were the thing rather than block paragraphs and... You know, there wasn't the use of special symbols like Hashtag. uh, hashtags and yeah. backslashes and at signs. And those but I think that's all been very slow compared with, so I think it was this time last year I had a letter, I think it would have been from the RNIB saying, we're now moving over to UEB and formally and everything will now be produced in UEB. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny if every print reader in the country was sent a letter like that? You know, we're now changing print so that it looks slightly different. I mean, it'd be crazy and it'd be like mass proportions but just the the potential confusion that they would cause it would be quite kind of anarchic really wouldn't it so how do we persuade younger people when we've got talking technology mm. you know and there's uh, smartphones and computers and they all mm. pretty much talk out of the box now yeah what do you say to um, a young person who doesn't really see why braille is relevant for them mm. one of the things i really like about braille is that it's silent and you can read it with your fingers so when you're in a workplace or you're out and about you're listening to your phone you might not like it but even if you listen at a low volume everyone can hear it if you put headphones in i mean i know a lot of people go around wearing headphones but depending on where you are it looks like slightly antisocial. i think if you're using a computer with a screen reader in the workplace and you've got headphones in, I've actually, because I do use, I use both as I've said, and I have had issues with maybe not being so aware of what's going on or people not coming to talk to me because I'm wearing headphones. If you have things in Braille, you've got it on your display or in your book or whatever in front of you, you read it with your fingers and you've got both ears open then to listen to what's going on around you. If I'm ever asked to read aloud, I can't read aloud using a screen reader. Some people can, but I just find it really difficult to translate the screen reader's way of reading something to me and then read it out for myself. So I think that using Braille potentially makes you more sociable and more approachable. I think it makes you more open and more flexible because, and let's face it, I mean, it's kind of the thing about, you know, do you have a talking watch or clock or do you have a tactile one? I personally have a tactile one because when I'm in meetings, it's much more acceptable to be able to quickly like feel the time rather than pressing a button and hope no one's going to hear it and everyone probably will. And, you know, that's then a very obvious sign that you're checking the time. You can look a bit rude. So I think, yeah, Braille is really important by virtue of it being silent 
as well as the other things about how it gives you a far greater knowledge of literacy and spelling. And I think we visually impaired people in general, you know, we don't see signs as much. We don't see road names. And those are the things that I often spell wrong, actually, in the names of shops, because you rarely do see see that written down in Braille. Uh, the thing is that the screen reader can mispronounce things as well, whereas how you read things is completely up to you. How can we better promote it? I think... I don't know what the standards of braille teaching is like these days. I hope there are enough braille teachers and enough braille teachers who are kind of as <laughs> strict and consistent and maybe as creative as my one was. It's really nice to see that in the VI community, if you like, there's a lot of resource sharing these days, thanks to the internet. When I was growing up, we didn't have that so much and I wish my braille teacher had shared all these great ideas that she had. But I guess ways to promote it, maybe there needs to be more Braille around. One of the issues I have with things like Braille signage is that there's no consistency to it. And people seem to think, you know, these businesses, oh, we'll stick a few Braille signs up, we've ticked the box. Well, if you're blind or have very little sight, you wouldn't know if that Braille's there unless you went feeling around for it. So I think it'd be great if there was some consistency, you know, if there's Braille on this door, it will always be, I don't know, just above the handle or, or similar so that VI people can actually start to use that Braille effectively. Because I, I never ever look at Braille signage unless I'm with someone sighted who says, oh, look, there's some Braille there. I think VI people need to be, if they use Braille and they want Braille, not to be afraid of asking for it. And that's not necessarily asking for paper Braille because it takes up so much space. But for instance, there's like the new accessible information standard now, the NHS is push to make sure that people get things in accessible formats. If you need something by email so you can then put it through a braille display or whatever, then ask for that. Don't feel like, you know, you just put up with receiving print letters that you can't read. I know a lot of people are very surprised when I tell them how few people do actually use braille. But with the introduction of all this braille technology, we've got braille displays, things like that. I don't think Braille's dying out. I think it's just a case of keeping the momentum going. You can find Megan's writing online. Simply search Megan Paul Creative Writing. And if you'd like to try your hand in the 2017 Braille Essay Writing Competition, contact your National Blindness Organisation. More details on braillecast.com. Thanks for listening, and if you have suggestions of what you'd like to hear on Brailcast, you can send an email to news at Until next time, bye for now.